0: Hello everybody! It is good to be back in a place I have never been before. Everybody and welcome back to King's Chaos. We are back. It's been a few months since we've done this, but here we are. We are back with King's Chaos Season 2 now in studio. That's right. We are live at 90.3 WMSC Upper Montclair. I am your host, as always, King- Kingpin, a.k.a. the parentheses of spades, and I am joined today with a special guest, Ian Hagen, how are you today? Good. That's awesome. So, tell us a little about yourself. What are you? So, today we're here to talk about albums and stuff. And, um, but other than that, what, what are you majoring in? What
1: I'm majoring in? I'm a freshman and I am majoring in visual arts.
0: Yeah, that's cool. Um, yeah. So, today we're going to talk about albums and stuff. As I explained before, I did a show with Mike Foley uh, a few weeks ago. Um, and we talked about, um, albums covers and, um, yeah, that's what we did. We talked about what made one lackluster, what made one great. And today we're going to do that. Um, but we are going to be doing it, um, how to say, we're going to be doing it with specific albums and stuff. I will be talking about Ice Nine's The Silver Scream from 2018 and my guest here, Ian, will be talking about.
1: The self-titled album of 21 Palettes released in 2009.
0: Awesome. So would you like to go first and describe
1: what the album looks like to those listening who can't see it right now? All right. So I'll give you some facts. The album cover was actually designed by a friend of the singers, uh, John Rettstadt, and it must have been used using like pen or sharpie or or with markers, but it could be used as digital drawing. So what does it look like? Uh, it looks like a black and white illustration of a man at the foot of the bed with like the feet touching the headboard. And the brain is, to use a little bit of anatomy terms, is a superior view transverse cut of the head with the brain exposed, leaving like a gummy, viscous dripping out, not red blood with it, but Ooh. colors of a, uh, with eggplant purple, magenta, chartreuse, pink, orange, blue, salmon, sky blue, sea green dark gray, yellow, all the, and at the bottom of the goo pile is objects like trees, city buildings, tires, and a lock and chain to name a few. Now with its arms and, uh, its arms and hands extended outwards like, like a crucifix, the left hand is clutching a cloth and the other hand limp. And above its head is like a re- purple irregular polygon with its simple light bulb drawing. Now, above the head is a broken (laughs) ceiling fan with a broken glass light. Also, the ground is almost like an apron of a stage, slightly semi-circle, with wooden planks all coming together with a white background. Now, it may seem like a lot, but I think that it shows the creative process, seeing the person at the foot of the bed, the pour out, the pouring out, and all sorts of different objects coming together. Now, this is one of my favorite albums. Now, it's lyrically and musically so, so poignant, so, like, loud, so interesting. Now, this band, Twenty One Pilots, it was released independently in, like, December 29th, 2009. And it was the first official studio album of Twenty One On Pilots. Right. And at the time of release, the band was composed of current frontman Tyler Joseph and his high school friends Nick Thomas and Chris Salee. Now, Chris, it was comprised of 14 songs and the album's duration was actually 60, 62 minutes long, which is a lot. Yeah. The personal of members of what instrument they put in. So like Tyler, he did um, the or- vocals. He did the organs like the computer that the piano system that you can sound on like an organ uh, steel guitar, which I didn't know that he could play or maybe it was a keyboard thing. Uh, he did the programming, the synthesizers, the bass, and the production of it. But That's... the other members did the guitars, the bass programming, the back the vocals. And then the Chris Sally did the drums and then the percussion. So they actually recorded this in the basement of basically Tyler's house when he was 21 years old. And while Tyler Joseph, he was it was about him pretty much. But the topics can be relatable and heavy, such as struggling with sin, doubting God, and mental health. Wow. Well, there are like lighter songs in the song.
0: Yeah. For example,
1: one of the songs is called Johnny Boy, which Tyler wrote to encourage his father. As described in a 2020 interview with his father, uh, Tyler wrote Johnny Boy in honor to encourage his father after they had been fired from a job. And since it was 2009 and the financial crisis, uh, what I find fascinating is that the lyrical analysis he uses the phrase Johnny Boy. And Tyler uses Johnny Boy as a general anonymity pseudonym, for example, Jing and Doe or John Doe, right, to discuss the societal disapproval that anyone can experience, especially financially, like the Great Recession. Yeah. So what what I like about me being an interested in this job that you put out um was I like how music can come together, art can come together, and the whole how music forms us together.
0: Yeah, it's really cool, especially how much like the right set of words and stuff like that can really speak levels to somebody, not just the person writing it, but the person hearing it, depending on what they're going through in that specific point of time. Like it could make all the difference.
1: So, I want to talk about my favorite songs. Yeah. Go right, right ahead. Because I've always like, been a fan of it. So, they had the Swan song called The Pantaloon. And people are like, ah, it's about pants. <laughs> um, so, in the song, a pantaloon, which is a foolish pantomime character. But the song lyrics, if I analyze it enough, suggest that time will make fools out of us all because it talks about time a lot. Right. And it could suggest that the pantaloon is a personification of a disease like dementia. Oh, okay. And there's another song called Implicit Demand for Proof. So, while the first song of the album begins with like a melodic, slow piano piece, but the song quickly switches to a lyrical piece that details like Tyler's struggle with his religious doubt, hence the name Implicit Demand for Proof, where he's asking for proof. Right. Or the. Theme of what the group would continue to explore third or f- further throughout their career. Right. So Tyler goes out throughout the Bay God or implicitly demands proof of his existence, but he, he wants to know his existence but questions his power, even, it, even if it means God will strike Tyler down with the process of blasphemy. Wow. Yeah.
0: That's a lot. Okay. So now I've listened to the album yesterday uh and again and you know 21 pilots isn't my main thing of music but i kind of like what they're doing especially lyrically so now i'm gonna have to go back and listen to not just the whole album but also these songs specifically and look for that deeper meaning because mm-hmm. like it's one thing to hear a song and it's another thing to hear a song again and actually understand what it's about yes so that's really cool i'm definitely gonna have to do a like hour sit down have like genius or something pulled up with a track by track lyrics and like go line by line analyzing it. Cause as a writer, I want to know how to do something like that to write something so deep, but with a meaning. So obviously there. Yes. My album is nowhere near that deep. It doesn't have any of those like personal messages and stuff. It's straight up like just for fun. It is Ice Nine's The Silver Scream, which came out in 2018. So Ice Nine is a metalcore band with very horror-themed lyrics and stuff. But for this album and the album previous to it, Every Trick in the Book, they've decided to go all out. And instead of being inspired, just inspired by horror movies and books and all that, they decided to straight up just pay homage to their favorite books, favorite horror movies. So every trick in the book, which came out 2017, I don't remember the correct year, but uh, it came out before Silver Screen and it was about nine or so tracks of books. So Animal Farm, Carrie, um, Diary of Anne Frank, and many more that I can't remember off the top of my head, but things like that, Community of the Curse being the exorcist, stuff like that. And so they just straight up paid homage to those and they did the same thing with this, album and their album coming out this year the silver scream too and for this album i really love the cover art because number one it's in the style that drawing style that pays homage to those horror movies like do, 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 do what it's called nightmare on elm street friday the 13th it's got that hand-drawn style of those old low-budget movies where as opposed to today everything's photoshopped everything's a picture of the actors uh, slightly altered in some way by a digital program. These were like hand-painted actual artworks, and this—excuse me—this album pays homage to that by being in that same general style. And it was also created by Mike Cortada, who is also known for doing the album on um, Pierce the Veils, the album art on Pierce the Veils' Misadventures, and A Data remembers Bad Vibration. Both of them are also pretty cool albums that i really like especially uh data remembers they're yeah i don't know i just like there's something about them. have you have you heard either of those i i think i've heard of
1: a day remember yeah
0: they're they're pretty good um i believe they've been played on the station a few times which
1: is pretty cool
0: but yeah like i i had no idea that like i i mean if you look at them you could recognize the stylistic choices of each of them and you can be like yeah definitely the same person but it's really cool to like not only know who did it but also know what else this person did and recognize some of that art so for the front album of the cover it's set up completely like a movie poster it is it's got the title the tagline the mpaa rating system all that and so it's it depicts a movie theater uh, you're, it's the interview from the back. You're looking at the screen and everybody else watching the movie. All the other people are, um, crowded around the screen. It's looks like a small theater because they only have so much room to, um, you know, fit the artwork on. So it looks like a relatively small theater, but what it is, it's about a couple rows of people all like, you know, reacting as you would a normal horror movie being scared they've got a, a, uh, hands up and stuff there's popcorn and stuff and then the screen itself is depicting nothing it's a blank screen but what it is depicting is a hand coming out holding uh, a michael myers-esque knife um as in as you would see in flash movies and in this reflection of the night also this is a giant hand like much bigger than the people in the theater like it's a 3d movie And then in the reflection of this knife is the um, reflection of a scared person, uh, kind of representing that like final girl scene in so many of the slasher movies. At the top of the album is the band's name, Ice Nine. And then right below that is the title of the album, Silver Screen. Once again, made to look like it's an actual movie poster. And right above the band name is the tagline. The tagline obviously being on many movie posters to kind of get the audience hooked in. The tagline is, they say it's hard getting into the movies, dot, 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 try getting out. Not my favorite tagline. I think they probably could have done something a little better, maybe. Because the next one, uh, Silver Scream 2, that they're doing in um, later this year, October, I believe. Uh, it's Silver Scream 2, Welcome to Horrorwood. Okay name. But the tagline is, you'll never make it in this town. Which I think is a far better headline than um this one just just my personal opinion and then of course at the bottom there is an mpaa rating r pg-13 all that kind of stuff you you would recognize them if you saw them and but this one is rated ix the roman numeral for nine and uh for psychos only psychos being the name of their fans so it's just a cool bit of a different way to do an album because i've never seen an album before stylized after movie posters including taglines ratings and all that stuff so that's why i chose this one for to be the first album and you know like i can go on all day talking about album art and there will be more episodes of this mark my words but the album itself is not as deep as you explained ian it's not it's not all that whole symbolism stuff it's it's a reference to horror movies And there's 14 tracks, all of different horror movies. And this is one of the um, great things about the album is the names of the uh, names of the tracks are like puns or references to the movies. So you've got things like the American Nightmare, Nightmare on Elm Street. Thank God it's Friday, Friday the 13th. The Jig is Up, Saw, obviously. Um, It is the End being It, obviously. And that's just to name a few. And the songs themselves are so chock full of references and clever wording. Um, The lead singer himself, uh, Spencer Carnes, said in an interview, he wanted every lyric to be quote unquote tattooable, saying, quote, we really went over every single phrase and made sure everything was either an interesting metaphor, had some kind of clever turn of phrase or a pun or an alliteration, end quote. And, you know, I love those. I love references and I love wordplay. So like, I can, and I probably will go on forever in another episode about all the wordplay this band uses in their, pre, in their last three albums. But um, things like in the American Nightmare, one of the verses is, Craven My Revenge from the Shallow Grave, a reference to Wes Craven, the creator of, what's his face, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street and Freddy Krueger. Enjoy Your Sleigh, pretty much the entire chorus. Enjoy Your Sleigh, uh, for reference, is the song uh, based off of The Shining by Stanley Kubrick loosely based off of the book by Stephen King. And the chorus goes, welcome to your last resort. Don't overlook the past to right there. And then in the next line, if you need help finding peace of mind, don't hesitate to axe spelled A-X-E reference to Jack Torrance and the here's Johnny line and stuff like that. And it's, I can, like I said, I can go on forever talking about these lyrics because I love them so much. They're so clever and once the new album comes out in like mid-October, I'm going to like like he said go through it with a fine-tooth comb and pick out all the references and stuff cuz it's a little harder if you haven't seen the movies obviously. Have you seen any horror Um, movies old school horror movies stuff like that
1: i've seen not totally but there is this one youtube channel that like gives these like the whole like summary of it and like talks about the statistics of the death that happened
0: oh um dead meat
1: yeah yes i I watched all friday the 13th yeah i watched nightmare on elm street i didn't like nightmare on elm street it was a little bit i didn't like the idea of it oh the he'll kill you when you're sleeping
0: yeah it's terrified me i have i've never seen that movie that one i haven't seen yet i've seen friday the 13th the first one but um the the idea of nightmare on elm street terrified me as a kid i don't know if it still would like i don't know if if i saw the movie if i'd still be scared but oh boy that i probably didn't sleep for a good day or two because like despite how scared i am my body will just shut down because it needs sleep regardless but yeah like obviously it's it's a horrifying concept and
1: my favorite my favorite of the two that is listed is texas chainsaw massacre yeah. i love that movie yeah especially the second one the, i have
0: i've only seen the first one so far
1: the, but the yeah. remakes are okay but the camera angles of how it's shot in the original one is so yeah. different but another one with the song that you were talking about, The Jig Is Up, it's about Saw. Right. Obviously, it, it connects to Jigsaw, which is one of the characters in Saw.
0: Yeah, the main antagonist.
1: Yeah. So, well, it could be a protagonist if you listen to the story.
0: Very true. So okay,
1: fair enough. the, the whole Saw movies, the the traps that he puts up is, like, so smart. But now with the new movie, what was it called? Spiral? It was called Spiral. It, yeah. it, it was different. It was a different oh, really? type of death. mm but the whole with my favorite, I think it was in the 3D one where the guy who was lying about how he was in the, the whole jigsaw traps. He was. Like oh, yes. stories, And then the last trap where he was trying to save his wife. He ran he ran out of time, but he had to replicate how he got trapped and he had to put like the hooks in his, his pec muscles. Right. He said, right, right. And I, he I, failed. And his wife turn into a brazen bull, mm. and the whole you could see her skin melting oh yeah it was just the great it's cinematic. it's
0: gruesome and like i i, I want to stay away from like too many details because it is a we it's a graphic series it's not for everyone so like very big content warning if you ever had any interest in seeing saw i've never seen them but i've seen like the traps and stuff because that kind of consist, that like varied consistency as i call it is very interesting to me like seeing how they do the same idea in different ways yeah. that being the traps is it, it gets gruesome so like fair warning if you ever want to see stuff like that
1: and another tip watch it all the way through don't like sk- don't go back and forth with episodes because it's very story based yeah timeline based you have to think about it. There's whole twists and turns in the end.
0: It's almost like a horror movie soap opera. I
1: was just thinking soap yeah. opera.
0: There's like seven, eight, nine, eight to nine, seven to nine I movies, something that
1: like so. that. Yeah. The, but, oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, so I I remember the one movie that always scared me as a kid was Saw 3D because there was this uh, okay. one death in the beginning where it was, look. for me, in my eyes, it looked so real, but looking back on it, I was like, this doesn't look real. They're just using like Whatever food that they can make, they that can look into the intestine. Yeah,
0: <laughs> it, it's and it, that's a whole nother co- topic, like the art behind movies, especially like Saw, Final Destination, how they use most of the time practical effects to achieve the goals. And like you know, this is this could be the topic of the episode, but like the CG kind of ruins that. As an animator, I really shouldn't be saying that, but like nothing beats practical effects in movies. Mm-hmm.
1: But there's been nine movies so far oh my goodness there's saw with the toilet the bathroom scene, and then there's saw two with the house yeah and then there's saw three i forgot what that was about i think it was about the dad that he wants revenge for the kids murder or something something like that yeah and then saw five and then uh saw four and then saw five and then saw six and then saw 3d the final chapter and then there's jigsaw and then there's spiral uh Jig the the last the second the last one the jigsaw it was very twisty turning it was a lot of twists there's the end where turns out all this stuff has been happening it's not the true story yeah
0: yeah we don't we I mean it's an old series and like but we don't want to give spoilers without warning but yeah, yeah. I, I I know exactly what you're talking about I've seen the dead meat um videos on that because you know it's just sometimes it's easier to watch a summary of the movie yeah. and sit through a nine movie series. When you don't have that much time,
1: yeah, you just don't, you're like, eh, hey, should I look at the Wikipedia for the synopsis of the plot? Yeah, yeah I'll just do that.
0: Yeah, because Saw, Saw has, so I'm I'm gonna say Saw and um, Final Destination are probably those two, like in that category of horror movies that have scared me the longest, um, because just like the idea of them, I guess they're so grounded in reality, it, yeah, almost like Halloween friday the 13th nightmare on elm street they're a little more fantastical and also they're older so they don't look as uh dark and you know all that kind of stuff because mm-hmm. they they were on a lower budget to begin with and like you know it, it just doesn't the quality let's just say the quality of like cameras and audio doesn't hold up obviously so you have that bit of disconnect in the movies but like saw and final destination they're so much more they've got better technology so it looks a little bit more real until they throw in cg obviously but yeah stuff like that
1: and like the whole how it so looks so real because what the people have done that make it so of what they have gotten to put in the traps. Like they've done a certain fraud or something. Right. And meanwhile, I'm like thinking in my bed, like childhood home, like, Oh my God, I, you know, did this small thing in a school. Am I going to be put into a saw trap? But <laughs> that's always been my thing.
0: Like, I'm sure there's something I forgot about in my life. That was less than honorable, honorable for lack of a better word. And um well, do I? I don't think I have what it takes to survive one of these things. Oh no! I, I guess it depends. No, no, I I don't think I could survive any of them. No, especially because I know later in the movies they start becoming rigged, and yeah. there's actually no way to get out of them. Yeah, which is I, I get it's part of the story, but like, come on, you got to
1: be fair. It's it in the movie Jigsaw. It's like oh come on, like you, that's obviously you're gonna die in that.
0: But it's like a whole. And I just started thinking about this. It's like a whole Batman, Bruce Wayne thing. Like, I mean, I know they caught the guy eventually in like movie two or something, but like, it's gotta be like an immediate thing. Like, okay, who has all this money to fund all this? It's got, let's narrow it down right now. Cause like how many people like, let's take Batman, for example. Um, How many people have those kind of funds other than Bruce Wayne and Gotham? To, like, fund the vehicles, the equipment, the suit, all that kind of stuff. So, Jeff Bezos. Fair enough. Yeah, no, I guess. Yeah, but see, that's my point. You narrow it down immediately to, okay, who might have a realistic amount of money to do this? And immediately we came up with one person who it could be.
1: Well, not saying it is, obviously, because it's fiction. Be Batman. He could be the new version of the Batman
0: uh based on the show okay so i saw this meme and it's like based on the shows that amazon prime is putting out he's more closer to lex Luthor,
1: well because yeah. like the
0: boys and uh invincible have this like theme of like don't trust the superman
1: and so well steve jobs is now bane but it'll be a whole right and yeah. the whole how the how famous people alive and dead have become super villains
0: right yeah that's very true and it's weird now. I mean, I'm looking at myself right now. We all look like Bane uh-huh. with these masks on. But um, yeah, like it's crazy. And going back to the album, the back of the album continues that film thing. It's set up like an old school theater. I've never been to one of these. I don't know if you have, but it's the one where the ticket booth is yeah. out front. It's yeah. like one ticket booth instead of like, you know, buying online or um, the, the counter inside and then it has the track listing on an old film marquee outside that like blaringly told you what movies were playing and unfortunately i don't own the album a physical copy because
1: in today's how dare you
0: i know i know i really want to start collecting albums but i'm i'm very bad at it but yeah like the back of it i've never seen because it doesn't give you the back on like streaming services and so like when i saw it i'm like oh wait that's actually really cool i like how they continued the theme with it And yeah, I mean, um, I have to say, I'm pretty much obligated at this point right now to say that I'm excited for um, Silver Screen 2 to come out. It's like literally a month away at this point. And um, actually, if I remember correctly, I think they just started promoting a new song that's coming out in like two days, a new single of it. I don't know what it's going to be about because obviously you don't know what the You can only guess by the track listings they have. And I'll probably come back with the Silver Scream 2 for this cover the tracks thing um, later. But so far, they've released two singles based on American Psycho and Child's Play uh, the series. And um, Child's Play is Assault and Batteries. Yeah. Pretty cool name. But I think the undisputed best name they've done so far for a song is the American Psycho one, Hip to Be Scared. Obviously, a reference to uh, the scene in the movie where Patrick Bateman, uh, played by Christian Bale, is talking to Paul Allen, whose actor name, I don't know, but he was uh, d- he did the whole monologue about Huey Lewis in the news, uh, finally closing with "Hip to be a Skit," "Hip to Be a Square," uh, playing in the background while um he's like monologuing to Paul. And hip to be scared obviously is not too much of a reference to the movie. It's like, if you didn't know American Psycho, you would never make that connection because it's such, it's a great scene in cinematic history, but at the same time, there's a bit of a disconnect between the movie and that. So if you haven't seen American Psycho, it might not make the reference might not make sense to you, but someone who has me as somebody who has is one of the greatest titles ever. And it was also the first single they released to announce the album, so it might have a bit of bias, knowing that mm-hmm. this album was coming out because of this. So,
1: and I was looking at the track listing for the second part, and there's some puns in, in it, and some people were speculating of what kind of movies it's going to be
0: for the second for the second album. Yeah, yeah.
1: There's one uh, song called "The Rash Decision," and that relates to the uh, the movie Cabin Fever, which is basically a. a like a flesh-eating virus oh. uh, infects like five teenagers while they're in a, uh, a cabin. And Yikes. one of them realizes, like, don't touch the water. Because if the infection touched the water and they drink it, they die.
0: Oh, Perfect. okay. So, so, so I've never seen that one. Um, see, what I was thinking of, like, Cabin Fever and Cabin in the Woods, probably because their namesake is so similar. Like I, I
1: love Cabin in the woods. I
0: confused them. I haven't seen either, to be honest. But, like, I thought it was going to be, when you say Cabin Fever, I thought that one. But, no, two different things. Um, But yeah, like there's a whole bunch of them that are like, some are easier to see than others. Like um, this is a bit more of a cult classic type movie, but the one called Take Your Pick is um, most likely a reference to My Bloody Valentine, which was a, um, I believe a Canadian horror movie uh, back uh, before the 2000s, um, which of course has all slasher movies do, got a remake, whoop-de-doo. Yeah, and then the one they're putting out soon is called rainy day which there has been some small debate over whether it's resident evil or poltergeist because um, they put up a video on their instagram and it's a red and white umbrella very reminiscent of the umbrella logo or umbrella core
1: umbrella corporation
0: yeah from resident evil and i'm kind of more inclined to go with it's a poltergeist song only because I believe Resident Evil was a, a game first before a movie, right? Well, I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm like ninety percent certain it was, and obviously we have the internet to look that up. So if it was a game first, um, then obviously, you know, it wouldn't make sense in an album about horror movies. Yeah. So the Resident Evil, uh, at least according to Google, the first initial, so the first game's release date was March twenty second, nineteen ninety six. And if I look up the movie release date, I guarantee you it's going to be after that. Yeah, 2002. Or at least the first Resident Evil movie. I believe there were several. But so that's why I personally believe it's more poltergeist because it's more of a classic horror movie than Resident Evil. And, you know, video game movies don't have the greatest reputation for being good. So obviously, like, I I'm not one to say what Spencer enjoys in his movies saying like oh how can you do this if it was a bad movie he might love the movie i could be wrong but it to me it would make less sense to do it to make a song that pays homage to a video game movie that wasn't well, well received yeah as opposed to poltergeist which was very pretty well received when it came out uh so but you know i know nothing about horror movies as much as he does so i can only speculate right now
1: <laughs> one of the songs worst vacation and you with the two dots on right. um, above it i think it's going to be a human centipede
0: uh human centipede or from what i saw a hostel
1: no <laughs> because it's based in slovakia oh uh, okay and uh, it can't be Midsommar because it's based in Sweden. Right. But in The Human Centipede, which scared me as a kid.
0: I can imagine. Yeah, it doesn't. Because sound no like... one wants
1: to be um, imagining eating each other's poop.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, no, definitely not. Um, but yeah, that that being said, like. Um,
1: and the shower scene, the song the shower scene based on Psycho. Definitely.
0: Yeah, that, that, that's one of those obvious ones. But like, I don't have the exact quote, but I believe they said they're not doing movies after a certain year. Yeah. So like they're focusing all on like the more old school classic ones. So even if Midsommar or Midsommar was, uh, I guess the way it's spelled would be Germany, right? Yeah. Yeah. So even if Midsommar was Germany, I think they still would exclude it because it's rather new. And I think I can't say for certain until the album comes out, but I think that's why you're not going to see something like the conjuring having a song about it because it's too new and doesn't have that status that I don't want to say legendary but I will for lack of a better word it doesn't have that kind of status that all these old school ones
1: have mm-hmm. it, here's a little dis- uh, question if you made a song that was like an homage to a certain horror movie what would it be called and what movie would it relate to
0: okay so I actually did try to do one because I, I, I was obsessed with what they were doing and I kind of tried to do something like it so I kind of tried to do a shining one uh, obviously it's already been done but I tried to do a shining one. It was called um, once bitten twice shine Mm -hmm. a reference to, I want to say it's the Rolling Stones song. I know it by great. What called once bitten twice shy. And it's also, I'm going to look it up because I don't know off the top of my head, but I believe it's also a turn of phrase.
1: Uh, I've never heard of that phrase, but I would do something like, um the invisible man oh that's a good one but like i, I think one of the deaths is like a lot of people and it like involves a train so i do like some like pun involving uh, a train
0: or another one you do for the invisible man is you literally just leave the title blank <gasps> so there's yes. no title at all
1: <laughs> or like insert title here or something like yeah that. something like that or just like uh, L- like two brackets with nothing in the middle quotation invisible yeah exactly
0: and then okay so yeah looking it up uh once bitten twice shy uh, used to mean that a person who has failed or been hurt when trying to do something is careful or fearful about doing it again. So in that sense, I don't really think it fits with the shining, but I wasn't really looking at that. I was looking at it because once bitten, and twice shine works as just like a pun title, but it doesn't fit really the definition of the phrase. So maybe it's better that they took, a, they did it for me and, I probably shouldn't do something like that. Although I was having an idea to do something like this, where it was an encompassing, like all the classic horror movies into one song and called it a uh, slash up as an, as a mashup. Yeah. And, you know, I kind of wanted, I, so that came because my Halloween costume in 2019 was essentially that. It was the Jason mask, Michael Myers suit, um, Freddie hat pennywise makeup all that kind of stuff and i didn't have a good name for it so when i went to a costume contest uh the dj guy is not going to say oh this is michael Voorhees, the nightmare clown that comes around every 27 years i believe those were the exact wordings i said to the guys like yeah i'm not going to remember that Mm -hmm. and so i'm like oh wait slash up would have been a much better name so i hope i want to try and do that again this year but I want to expand on my that costume.
1: That, that reminds me of when I was doing, I think it was middle school. And I dressed up as one of the characters that, um, that Tyler Joseph was impersonating or putting into a character as uh, he called it blurry face, which uh, called yeah. it is insecurities. Right. So he put paint or whatever thing on his hands and his neck to showing like uh, strangulation or the ability to breathe and what he makes with his hands. And I dressed like that. I had all the 21 pilot shirt. I put the backpack on. I had my, my hands, I think, yeah, I had my hands done and my uh, neck black. And I, we were doing like a kind of like a costume contest where the dance, the class, because I know my middle school had a dance class and you would like learn stupid dances. It was so cringy.
0: Yeah, I, I believe I've done that too.
1: And uh, we would, they would did the dance for, they would practice all marking period to do Thriller. Oh, so um, and afterwards they would have a costume contest. So I went up, I stood in line waiting for the stairs to go up and the woman immediately went hobo. And I went, oh, no, no, no.
0: you got to at least ask if you don't know. Yeah. Oh my, that's not, that's not fair. Yeah, because I'm sure it would have. It was a really cool costume.
1: Yeah, but only if people knew about it. Yeah, exactly.
0: Which I guess if it's not something And so in the face of pop culture, nobody's really going to get it. Yeah. I mean, the one the person who won the costume contest um, when I did it or one of the categories in costume contest was Joe Joker. So they dressed up as Jojo Siwa with Joker makeup on. I thought it was clever. I definitely think it deserved to win. But, you know, that was. That's cool. That's something different, almost. Per se. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. But um, so like what else? So the blurry face album, which I, I believe that's the one with the circles, right? Yeah, that's the one with
1: the circles. That but... that
0: one I I like because there's a few al a few songs off that album that are really good. Heathens is completely a single, right? It's not on it was, any album. It,
1: they did uh one song from the Suicide Squad soundtrack. Right.
0: Oh, uh, okay. So it was Heathens was on that one, not yeah but,
1: but still um
0: stressed out is pretty good uh, not, i overplayed probably, yeah oh definitely that but like that ride they're, they're just songs that i kind of enjoy but like i need to go back and lyrically analyze all of 21 pilots like especially our first album because based on what you said it's not only good study material for me who wants to be a lyricist like that but like you know can also provide me with more songs to listen to
1: and uh they just, 20 just came out with another album called yes. scaled and icy which if you go from the second to last recent uh album called trench yes there's a whole storyline you have to learn about it and oh, like no, yeah. it's so it's like basically a movie that you have to do oh so, so kind of to...
0: like concept album rock opera that stuff where it tells a story
1: yeah it, track one to track it was like whatever. a fictional story where they're talking about it but uh scaled and icy they just came out with it like, a couple days ago. They just did their first tour in I think Milwaukee. Oh, cool! And so it, the album cover is also crazy. Also, it's basically a like blue dragon with a pink. Background. Yeah, I saw that. Um, it's
0: another one of those like hand drawn things. Too. Yeah,
1: or it might be digital
0: art, but it's got that hand drawn. It's not a photo, is yeah. what I'm trying to say.
1: It it's, it it can be easily replicated with the the nine circles and blurry face. Right. But there's one album that I also uh, I also put down to analyze. They had this album called Vessel in 2013. Right. So it's basically it's just a photograph of the two members with Tyler Joseph and Josh Dunn, the Josh Dunn playing the drums and Tyler Joseph doing he could do pretty much any instrument now. Oh, um, that's cool. So uh, it's basically there's their grandfathers and just standing. Oh, really? It's it's if you if you look up the photo of it, it's just their grandfathers. But um, it, it, the name vessel because the album is called vessel it was explained in an interview saying like he said quote i have a body i have a life i have a voice and that's kind of like a vessel that really holds something now that the vessel's not important but my body's not that important my voice isn't that important the songs aren't that important important my life isn't that really that important but the important thing is what's inside that vessel and right now i have a message and that's something to say and it's saying the most important thing inside that vessel now, the, both their grandfather, slightly passed away with mm. uh, the one pictured on the left uh, being Josh's grandfather. It died after the album's release in 2013 and uh, Tyler's grandfather in the right passing away uh, in 2018. And the connection they, for the song Trench, uh, which was, Trench was I think released in 2018. They, uh, Tyler released a song after him called Legend and okay. it's it was written about Tyler's grandpa's memorial. Like the last lyrics was like in the day that it happened I recorded this last bit to let you know that um I'll have a lunch with you again sometime. Which oh. is really sad. Yeah. I well, I once like put it together I was like almost crying in like the lobby of my high school. Yeah. Um but the if um the another album that they did was called Regional at Best. I think in 2012 or 2011 where it also uses photography of like a childhood baseball game that I think Tyler was in. I think it was like the pitcher or the catcher or whatever. I don't know, but it's just so simple, but so could be thought of in your head once you like seen it so many times you're like, Oh, this is what it looks like. And I know who it is, but that's what album covers actually have to do. They have to make you memorize it. Yeah. It can't be too complicated.
0: Yeah. That's something major we were talking about. Um, when I did the generalized episode of this a few months ago, like they have to be memorable. So you got to like the ones where it's literally just the artist's face over and over and over again, which you see a lot in uh, more mainstream pop music. It's Mm -hmm. like, none of them are like great and memorable. Like obviously you can say the same thing like, Oh, the Beatles just put out a blank canvas and did that. But like, for some reason that is memorable. That is iconic and everything today is not doesn't feel like it'll uh, obviously it we can only tell with time but you know it's not there it's not it doesn't seem to have that kind of lasting power
1: yeah with pink floyd's um what was it called the triangle the rainbow it's what
0: oh dark side of the moon
1: yeah yeah i didn't like it
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's pretty cool but i i can see how it's not like everybody's favorite art piece of artwork and
1: what gravitated with uh, you asking for the show about this was um i actually did an art project about this oh cool i was in an ap art ap arts and uh my focus was album cover art but i was like oh i'll do um since i'm more gifted 3d art because um so i decided to do like dress making with uh a okay. whole relating a dress to an album cover art but I was like, no, I can't do that. I have, t- I, I, you know, I have l- little time. Right. So okay. I was like, oh, okay. I'll just do um, like 2D basically versions, but sew it together. So okay. like Kind of like a tapestry of sorts. Right. And, and I was like, no. And then like the last quarter of the marking, the last, the last fourth of the marking period, I was like, nah, I'll just do an uh, illustration. So one of the, the, one of the one projects that I finished was, I made like a dress that relates to the dark side of the moon oh okay so um it's basically like the bottom part of the dress is just like a rainbow coming out and like in the chest area it's just a triangle that's
0: which, smart
1: yeah so that's cool I, and I, I sadly i didn't uh enter it in the college board for apr because i just felt like nah, i just didn't feel confident in that and everyone else was like the whole artist thing like they're gonna leave comments on it and i don't want like you know negative comments based on my work right that's true yeah. but i
0: i'd love to actually like see that because that is cool because it works out in uh, in forms of basic shape. It works out like in a dress format. Yeah. That's really cool. I mean, I never thought of anything like that. And it's so talking to you today. I, it's so amazing to see how like there's so much more going on on an album cover. Well, most album covers underneath the surface. Yeah. Like I'm sure if I looked more into it, there'd be a reason why they chose to style it after this, obviously besides the homage to all the horror movies and like why they've taken a bit of a drastic turn uh, between this one and um, the next one coming out, which is more, it's a, so it looks more like a modern horror movie. It's still got that styling, but it's got that thing where it's like, oh, the antagonist's face is Mm -hmm. in the background, looming over like the main characters and stuff like that. Yeah. So this one is it's the so I should probably preface this we're running on time but um the singles that came out with the first Silver Scream
1: mm-hmm.
0: all encompassed an overarching story of like a crime thriller yeah and so the map, the antagonist of this crime thriller was it it almost looks like a Slipknot mask um where it's just and I don't know how to explain it. I forget it's like a very rough mask with. Uh, an I and an X over the eyes for the nine. And so it's that image in the background of like a California street with the Hollywood slash horror wood sign in the background, a movie theater to the right. And then the actual figure of the main antagonist of this crime thriller uh, standing in the foreground, super tiny. And, you know, it's pretty cool, but it's very different. It's a very different Type of album from the first one.
1: I did not see the IX after the I. I'm looking up a picture of it. Yeah, I totally didn't see that. Now it, it
0: takes a like. I didn't know. I probably wouldn't have noticed it on the album cover, but the music video for "Hip to Be Scared" had it superimposed over the main singer's face yeah. for like a split second, and you can more clearly see it as uh, as opposed to in the album cover because. Also, you know, like the the band name, the album name, all that kind of stuff is, gets in the way of some of the design choices in albums, so you gotta like really pick at it with a fine tooth comb
1: What does Ice Nine Kills mean? Because that sounds like a Mad Libs game
0: It almost does, I forget exactly what it is It's like a fictional element in a book series and so they just adopted that like what, if you look at it what do all, any band names mean? But like, yeah. So I remember reading it on Wikipedia. It's like um, some kind of fictional element in some kind of sci-fi series. But, well, I'm sorry. not not Ice Nine is the fictional element. Uh, and then they just added that at the end, probably to get the acronym, yeah. Inc. Yeah. Because other than it would just be weird. And right. also, I've noticed a lot of metalcore bands are that like three, three word kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I can't think of any Ice Nine kills. Like I said, motionless in white. Yeah, and then whatever other
1: metalcore bands
0: there are, but fit to be fit for a king, which is technically four, but you know what I mean.
1: The twenty on pilot, to like, oh, where's the other nineteen? Since there's the other two members, that like annoys annoys really annoys me. Yeah, but um, it's about an Arthur Miller play. Oh, okay. So it's um, basically an Arthur Miller play. It's All My Sons. I, I can't go into detail about it because you're going to have to watch it or learn about it or whatever. Right. But it turns out to be like, it has to include 21 pounds in it. That's really cool. one of my favorite plays. Because yeah. It's I love so smart.
0: Yeah. I love learning about band names and the reasoning behind them. But as we wrap up the show, that is going to be it for the first episode of King's chaos season two, technically episode 26. I don't know how I'm going to number these yet um but yeah that does it uh thank you so much for joining me this was awesome
1: i like to come again
0: yeah no totally i'll have you again because like you know the album you talked about yeah like it's one thing to go like oh i, I like the album it looks cool there's this this and that but you're like this is what it probably means this is a lyrical content like you did your research and i appreciate that so much thank you and You know, like there are so many albums to talk about. This is going to go on forever. I don't probably in between different shows because like King's chaos. I don't want to tie myself down to one thing, but cover your tracks. We'll be back. That is a promise. And in the meantime, I have been your host, Kyle Pepitone and my guests Ian Hagan. Thank you all so much for listening. And it is good to be.